bugging out. Got a stacked lineup. The end of America. The new beginning. We're back together again. It's great again. Up and down. All coasts in the middle. Uh, we restored America's dignity, baby. I mean, that's... That <laughs> to, what, to what did we restore it? Uh, no malarkey. Yeah, we're in the no, yeah. no malarkey zone. So uh, let's start with the only one of us who actually isn't in America. You know, the real America, because there's only one real America. <laughs> Introduce yourself and uh, what's your political taste? Okay, I guess I'll go first. Um, I, which is fitting because I think I'm the only non-American in this chat. So exactly. my infidel ass, I shouldn't even be here. But uh, um, my name is Cindy. You may know me as CL. That's my artist name. Um, my political identification, I would call myself a communist. It took me a while to get here, I would say. Like, I was like only confident about calling myself a socialist up until I would say this year, the events of, well, last year, the events of 2020 really kind of radicalized me in a major way. Um, and uh, my connection and why I'm so interested in American politics, besides the fact that America is the world police and everyone has a right to mind America's business is because I, I grew up and I, I spent uh, 10 years living in the States when I was a kid. So I feel kind of a, a connection to the country, a love-hate, um, and maybe that's part of the reason why I think I'm more critical and louder about it than other people, other Canadians. Word. Let's go with uh, the Italian stallion. It's got to be me, right? Uh, <laughs> my name is Keith Fulatano, a.k.a. Tano, the only Tano, the real one. Don't search Spotify. There's too many Tanos. They're imposters. <laughs> my politics, they're evolving. I'm a gener generally a leftist. I don't have a title for myself as of yet. I'm also notorious for not wanting to read books. And uh, <laughs> if you could give me theory, um, memes is practice, uh, praxis and YouTube. So if you could like um, explain to me the uh, memes, like maybe I'll join your crew. But other than that, yeah, generally leftist, um, former Guido. Actually, I don't know if you could be your former Guido. I'm a current Guido. <laughs> life. So I'm trying to bridge the gap between like the Chads, the Guidos, and the leftists like we used to have. Um, and uh, yeah, it's pretty much it. I'm Lorraine. Uh, have DJed sometimes in the past, I guess. Um, I consider myself to be a leftist and a progressive. Uh, but the actual form of that, not like, uh, not the ones that, not a, not a progressive that would still operate within the confines of the Democratic Party, uh, that's for sure. Um, yeah, what was the, I don't even remember what the question was, general introduction. Um, I think you basically did it. Okay, good. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I hate lib. That's my position, um, there you go. officially. That's a strong position. Yeah. Uh, Chris, you're up. Yeah, I'm Chris. Uh, music I used to do music.
music is Gunnar Haslam. Now I do it under a couple other names. But yeah, I'm uh, just a pretty straight-up communist. Um, I read a lot of Marx. I'm the book reader, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's it. Word. Uh, you know, I'm Treasy B, and uh, I'm an anarcho-communist, which is a nice centrist position. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, uh, I, I would say I'm an anarcho-communist with strong black nationalist overtones and hints of posadism. Hints, damn! You, see, you, you did your description nice. Yeah, <laughs> like a fine wine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, how's everyone feeling about today? Uh, did you watch any inauguration stuff? Fuck no. No. <laughs> Why the fuck? I did it out of morbid curiosity. There, there's enough of this fucking nonsense that you that I I accidentally see, even though I keep my timeline real closed. Like I still have to see this pathetic uh, optimism and stupidity, um, which is it was just inescapable today. Everywhere you couldn't everywhere on the internet, just everyone talking about it. They should pay yeah. me to watch their propaganda not the other way around so no i i mean and also like you know living in canada you can kind of pretend it but you know not if you go on the internet which really is the united states of america owned internet you know usa <laughs> um did, did you turn it tune in turtle did you yeah i watched a, I watched a bit of it i i mean it was, it was kind of funny I like to it, laugh every now and then. In, in order to like be able to comment or just because you no, would have watched would, it otherwise? I would have watched it just for, out of general curiosity. Um, I mean, it was just, it was kind of sad because it just was very uneventful in a way. Like the only thing people could talk about were uh, people's clothes and um, I guess Lady Gaga and JLo speaking Spanish for a bit. Nice. So everyone got really excited about the Spanish and the ladies. And um, what it's really know, about. I saw I saw Barack Obama and Garth Brooks embrace each other. Uh, I don't know if that's really staying into COVID measures, but also Garth Brooks, one of the worst singers ever. I don't understand what the fuck. <laughs> Yeah, I turned that oh, shit off. COVID's over, actually, as of today. <laughs> We're done with that I shit. I mean, if all of those people got COVID. <laughs> it was sad. It was just sad, honestly. And Bernie, Bernie just sitting there. Oh, that's the, yeah, that's the only good part that I liked. Is his little, like, him and his mittens uh, alone. Away Man. So I want to go, I wanted to, this is one of the big things I wanted to talk about. Uh, how did each of you feel about Bernie and like from I guess the first run and this run and like how do you feel about how he got shafted yeah I mean I you know big Bernie supporter especially this uh, most recent run did a lot of volunteering canvassing you know all that um, you know it was a good shot both times um, you know but at the end of the day after both times, you know, of course he got shafted. Of course, uh, you know, Obama kind of stabbed him in the back this time. 
I mean, stabbed him in the back. Obama was never on his side, you know? But um, and, and also not kind of, like very blatantly yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, for all to see. Yeah. But I think it just kind of um, reminded me uh, of sort of my core belief that uh, electoral politics, um, especially in the United States, Beautiful. is not politics. And uh, politics that really confronts power, um, politics that's involved in labor organizing strikes, things like that. Um, that is the only important uh, way of doing politics and everything else in the US, especially through voting and shit like that is symbolic. Um, but yeah, that's been kind of my uh, feeling ever since uh, Bernie lost, which was a good shot to get someone decent in there. But you know, I don't think Bernie was going to bring uh, the communist future. But yeah, well, so I, I was a big Bernie supporter both this time and in 2016. Um, I would say that that was, uh, that was like very formative to me in that I was extremely involved. I, I did volunteer this last time, but even more so in 2016, um, like obsessively in many groups, but also like doing, you know, real-time campaigning, blah, blah, blah. Um, I felt I was very much inspired by his run. Um, it seemed like, you know, although like ultimately, like, yes, I'm still back in this position now where like I don't rely on electoral politics and I certainly, I certainly don't trust anyone in politics at this, but I did feel inspired by that run. Um, honestly, seeing how he was treated by the Democrats, seeing him be shafted in 2016 was enough to completely like set me off and radicalize me like further and further and further to the left um every fucking moment since then um seeing what happened at the dnc like i was in these you know bernie groups on facebook and this and that like i was seeing real time like cell phone footage of people being shut out of the convention i mean i i remember when elizabeth warren stabbed him in the back in 2016 you know like i saw her for like i wouldn't even say snake because snakes are lovely but i saw her <laughs> for being a fucking like monster back then you know and i saw the disdain uh that he received from and, and unfair treatment from the democratic party and uh and i knew since back then that it was a total fucking cancer and poison and Nothing can be accomplished within the confines of the two-party system. It's an oligarchy. Like, there's no fucking hope. And, uh, you know, I think, okay, sure, I was excited when he ran again, but he should have run as an independent. You know, if all of these people that had that zeal and that were inspired by him both in 2016 and in, you know, and this last time, like, if people actually stuck with that, like, that, that that's been a huge movement you know and like ultimately most people just like bent over and to take it and like conceded to like i guess biden's fine now like really that that really wasn't fine before um but okay uh no one has a spine i don't know so those are some thoughts <laughs> those are my some starting thoughts i remember the moment in 2015 when uh i was at work and i am a union painter so I'm a lot of, around a lot of like ding-dongs usually. And I was feeling super <laughs> bummed. And I remember it was like very, very early on, like first stage when he was like, I'm going to run for president. And I was like, I called my dad. And I was like, holy shit, like we got a guy. Like this is the guy. And like my family is 
pretty leftish. Um, so they were like pretty psyched, like that would never work, but okay, like cool. And uh, yeah, like went to the rallies like for the first run, got like, um, I need to be optimistic most of my life because otherwise I'll lose my mind. So I was probably like naively optimistic the first time uh, when he had his like rally in Greenpoint, I got like teary eyed. I was like, oh shit, like yes. we're like, we're on the way, like we're doing something. And then this run, uh, again, like I, I was more hesitant. But when he, I was like, you know, he was winning all the primaries. I was like, oh, like this is unstoppable. And it almost felt like too good to be true. And uh, yeah, when I, also the day that he dropped, sent me on like a downward spiral for like a couple months where I was just like, this is like, what's the point of any of this? And kind of like, what's the point of caring? What's the point of like, I could kind of live my life comfortably no matter who's the president. Like, why do I even give a shit anyway? And, uh, but then... I came out of that like, okay, there's more, there's more shit I have to do. There's work that has to be done. Like, this is not the answer. And that's kind of my journey into more, becoming more, I guess, radicalized. And then like, here we are now. But uh, I'm constantly, because of Bernie, it's kind of what really set me into the path of like, being, uh, I don't know if he set me into being radicalized, but like, you, it was a good starter for me, definitely. I'm just going to be pretty blunt. There was no chance that dude was ever going to win, ever. He had no chance from the beginning. I liked everything he stood for, but there was no chance. This, like, it's not, it's actually just not in the realm of possibility that he was going to get to be president. That's not how it works. Uh, He's one of those few people who actually believes that uh, you can change America, like, from the inside. I don't think there's a lot of people in Congress like that, but he's one of those old-school leftists who truly believes that you can kind of reform America into a nice, a nicer state. But there was no—I mean, the shit he was talking about, as you can see, and as we've all seen, no one was letting it happen. He was getting shit on from all sides. And, I mean, the Democratic establishment was never going to let him be there. There was no way. And I'm not saying that everyone's time was wasted, because I think the greatest thing to come out of it was that people can finally see how much of a sham all this shit is. And it kind of, you know, it did organize and electrify a new interest in true leftists thinking in America because it just didn't exist for at least in the public view for a very long time. Yeah. And he's been a gateway for a lot of people to start thinking about ways that we have to change this shit because it's obviously not working. So, you know, it, you know, I said that if he had somehow by magic became the nominee, I would vote. But besides that, I wasn't voting and I won't be voting again, at least on a national level, anytime soon, ever again, because it's just a waste of time. I'm just curious, so, like, what do you think of, like, the People's Party, um, Taj? Like, for me, other, other parties. I know we're, I'm going off track here, but... I mean, I think... I think that in a perfect world, 
you could change America by actually fracturing, like, uh, just like cutting off bits and pieces of each party and making new parties and hoping that people would get behind it. But I, there have to be so many reforms beforehand to even get to the point where they could make any change. Like, you would have to get all the big money out of politics first before they're going to stand a chance to do anything because they're just going to get crushed by fundraising and just the powers like you're just going to get crushed every time it, uh, it's right I mean, well, it's a good idea but i just don't i personally believe that electoral politics is not going to get anyone anywhere so it's maybe i mean it might work i hope it does but i don't see I don't know. If the Green Party can't do anything for fucking 50 years or whatever now, or 30 years, 40, like, I don't see how. I mean, there's actually, I mean, well, I mean, if we think about especially the first the first run, like, Bernie was able to appeal to people that were, you know, kind of like independents. Like, it's actually like quite, I don't, I'm not going to quote the figure exactly now, but it's a, actually the amount of people that are independent is like a huge percentage. So... I mean, he kind of concentrated more on this stuff uh, in 2016 with, like, really, you know, the Rust Belt people and all this other thing. And, um, you know, I think, as much as I, like, yes, I agree, like, electoral politics is, like, not really the one. But I think that there were, like, huge strides made in his campaign in terms of, like, you know, people that are kind of, like, on the fringes or appealing to other people and then, you know, grassroots kind of even just, you know, people people donating little bits of money or whatever it was. Like, I mean, I did plenty of other people that, like, don't have, like, a ton of money to, you know, superfluously spend, like, found themselves like, okay, like, I'll give a little bit here and there. And, like, it's just something that, yeah, like, it hadn't really happened before. So, um, I mean, quite frankly, like, we should have like three or four parties, you know, it shouldn't be just a two party system anyway, you know? Yeah. The thing, the thing I would bring up is just, uh, this is making me think of two historical examples. Um, one, uh, you know, FDR, um, are, you know, the only kind of decent president, uh, you, you know, he, he did the new deal, he empowered workers and all of this, but this wasn't because he was, uh, kicking back reading Marx, right. He was a patrician, rich, you know, like just a standard rich asshole. Um, the only reason he did that was because of massive labor organizing. Yeah, pressure, and, exactly, right. yeah. So, so absent any of that pressure that exists outside of the electoral system, you know, it almost doesn't really matter who the president is. Um, pressure from the outside can make someone, uh, can potentially rest uh, some action from above because you've, uh, you know, organized and demanded it. Again, you're not going to, like, vote for a good president to give you anything. That's not how anything works. Nothing good comes from above. It comes from people below demanding yeah. it and putting their fucking uh, foot on the neck of power. Yeah, and no, then the other... Uh, sorry, the, the other thing I would just bring up is Lenin. Um, in, uh, the Beatles? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, this is another thing that uh, Lenin talked a lot about, um, especially in 1905, um, before 
dur during huge strike waves in Russia, and many people were just kind of talking about, okay, well, you know, striking is good, striking is good. It just kind of happens, spontaneity, right? Spontaneously, all these strikes happen, and that's great, and all these things happen. And Lenin's whole idea was, no, we need a, a, an organizing party to uh, organize and direct this movement. If, if it's just a bunch of uh, people or, you know, striking, that's great. We need that. But without coordination, um, they, nothing is going to happen. And so yeah. I kind there of... There hasn't even been a general strike. And people have yeah, been talking about this for years. Yeah, the question I mean, is how to organize. fragmented, right? This is like yeah. one of the big problems, is one of the big issues. So yeah, like when I bring up the People's Party, it, 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 it wasn't like just to, to think of it in terms of the presidency, yeah. but like more those of us on a, a real left, not these like psyops, you know, like the real left have our like core values, things that we're fighting for and can gather enough to like put that pressure yeah. on to like get some fucking shit going on because it's not happening otherwise, right? I just want to say something about like how to deal with America because Americans, especially journalists and think tankers, uh, people who work in the government, they often talk about how to contain China and that's sort of like their outward foreign policy and it will be for the foreseeable future, I think. And I wonder if that could be flipped on how do you contain America? And this is the thing, is that uh, when people talk about containing China, speaking as a, a Chinese, an ethnic Chinese person, I have seen firsthand how foreign pressure from the West has influenced uh, policy changes within China. Even though I find all of that stuff to be very questionable, and really is none of their fucking business. At the same time, the pressure from outside has actually had an, an effect on what goes on within China. I wonder if this is something that is possible where you have pressure coming from foreign countries at America to do something different, to you know change the way it's run. I mean, obviously the, it's a completely different situation because the US, you know, they they control the world, like they control the IMF, they control the World Bank, they control like NATO and all of these like and and there's so much cronyism among like sort of Western countries. Everybody sucks up to the US and they won't stand up to them. And that's a huge problem. And until that happens, I just personally can't see that any kind of internal domestic political change is going to happen in a drastic way. It's always going to be like they give a little and then they backtrack 10 steps. And Bernie is, as much as I love Bernie, I often have to separate how I love Bernie as like this man that gives us so much hope and talks about, you know, things that really matter to us, but really is like a celebrity versus Bernie, the actual politician who works for us. And Bernie is a career politician. Bernie is not willing to go independent. Uh, that has been very clear to us, that he wants to be a part of the DNC. The way he has capitulated to the DNC with regards to foreign policy, the stuff that he's been tweeting about Alexei uh, Navalny is just um, like, what about Julian Assange? What about other political prisoners? What yeah. is your stance on that? Why do you care about this random far-right politician from Russia? What difference does that make? What about 
like the like the political prisoners that American, the U.S. government has persecuted, and yeah. that really He's says more than certainly. anything. Um, and that's why I'm like frustrated. With yeah, Bernie no, sometimes. He's, he's, listen, he's not perfect, and and honestly, like no, yeah, politicians should be working for the people, right? Like no, none of them should be treated like celebrities. I do have a fondness for him as a result of, the, Me you know, too. I, I was inspired too. by, and it, and but like I way surpass whatever he, you know, like standing by Joe Biden all this shit. Like no, like I he's he also cucked himself fucking completely for the Democrats, and it's I I'm embarrassed for him. Okay, you know, even though I I found hope and inspiration and all that, like, yeah, no, my my views like way continued on, way past whatever he initially inspired me by. But yeah, like, no politician should be treated like celebrities. They should be completely like questioned, both in words and in actions and in like not following up with shit. This is uh, you know another reason why I have. I mean, I have a huge problem with Democrats, but also these like fake progressives that are. That people are like um, being placated by their nonsense and just you know lots of big talk with like absolutely no action to follow up. So, yeah, no, if, like yes, everything these things should be questioned. I mean, Bernie, from even from the beginning, left a lot to be desired on foreign policy. W what are you thinking? Like, who, who do you have in who do you have in mind? Like, what what are you talking about? Well, I mean, it would be great if like. But this would never happen if American allies like actually said something about what the like, U.S. is other, doing. The other imperialists, like who are you talking about? No, I mean they're not going to. That's what I'm saying. Like, like they're all, they're all, they're also complicit in the same. Yeah, they're complicit, type of behavior, especially so. like countries like the U.K., Australia. They're complete. The Five Eyes That's nation. The other imperialists. Yeah. yeah, they're all, but. You know, I guess, like, what about Global South countries? The problem is, is that, like, if you get pressure, pressure is only as good as the people that are exerting the pressure are the powers that are exerting the pressure powerful in and of themselves. And, you know, I, like, I wonder, Latin yeah, I don't American think countries, for example, you know, countries in the Middle East, in Asia, what I think is the it going to take to say something? we can hope for is, uh, I don't know if you've read recently, but uh, President Xi said that China's going to go full communist, full socialist by, <laughs> what was it, 2030, 20, 2040, maybe? Uh, it was within our lifetime. So if President Xi, if you're listening, uh, <laughs> you uh, be tuned in. And, you, and you guys actually do end up Big doing fan. full communism, uh, it's not looking good right now, the whole... Uh, socialism with Chinese characteristics things kind of looks like capitalism sometimes, bro. But yeah. if you happen to be doing full communism, we're down. Uh, I mean, cool. the access it to healthcare has improved tremendously in China in even since the time I lived there, when my family lived there, we didn't have access to free healthcare. Now everybody I talk to in China has access to free or almost free healthcare. So that's like a tremendous improvement. I have no idea. The thing is, is like a lot of this stuff, I, I don't know who to ask because I can't trust the Western media on reporting on these issues. Even something as simple as poverty alleviation is twisted and spun in such a negative, disgusting way. Uh, in American media that like all I can really do is ask my family in China like what's the healthcare situation 
you know, what's uh, what was it like during COVID? Uh, how did you guys live during the lockdown in Wuhan when all of this was happening? And all I can rely on is sort of like on the ground reports from people that are living there. And it does seem like they're, you know, you can't just mention media at all. That's for fucking sure. That's I think that uh, actually opens the door to another part, which is something that I see happen a lot, is that a lot of dance music people, I see them like really e easily get sucked into China, to stupid China shit. Like if they think they're political and I'll see them like uh, just post just like dumb, Amer like straight up American propaganda, where I mean they're gullible like, liberals. If like, you take, if you take like two seconds to look at the sources, it's like, oh, Lockheed and Martin, and it's just like, what the fuck? You're listening to the people who make the bombs and the and the missiles. This is well, who I we're this is who we're listening to. I mean, most people, yeah, most whatever. I mean, in in general, right? It doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter if they're into dance music or not. But like most people in America, like. Yeah, or like getting their info from the New York Times and CNN and, and, and problem, MSNBC, and they think that that's the problem is that news. people in dance music think that they're so progressive. And oh, they, oh, yeah, no, they they think they no, think, but that, they're so not they're, because they're, they they don't understand that that's a problem. I mean, this is I think the the fucking that the lack of information or people, yeah regarding themselves to be informed by following like the total mainstream media is like the biggest problem, I think. I mean, I just want to call attention to uh, a question in the chat right now. Where is Jack Ma, y'all? He's been vanished for a minute. First of all, <laughs> this is like, Where's I'm sorry chat? to call you out, but that's fucking bullshit. Uh, where is Jack Ma? Like, Jack Ma is not disappeared because the New York Times says that he's been vanished. Like, I remember a couple of years ago, there was like news reports about um, the most famous actress in China. Her name is Fan Bingbing. Uh, she was, uh, there were all these reports about how she had been disappeared by the CPC and all that. And it turned out that she was under investigation for tax evasion and she, like, she was at home. There was nothing. Like she, I don't understand where these like all you take, all you need is some splashy headline about how where is so and so, where is this Chinese national? Did they get disappeared because the Washington Post said so, or this like U.S. intelligence said so? And it's like, why do you trust the mouthpiece of U.S. intelligence? Do you understand that's one of the most corrupt organizations in the entire world? And I think like. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, Chris, you probably have, like, people don't realize that, for instance, historically, the government has straight up used journalists like the New York Times and Associated Press to do psy operations and propaganda. And people yeah, just, I mean, for some reason, the... think it's just, they don't do it anymore. They just stopped. Right, yes. right. they got cool. over that. They're cool now. We're cool. We don't do that. Yeah, for some reason, this kind of... Uh, Thinking makes you makes people think that you're some sort of conspiracy theorist. But if you were alive in the '70s, um, you were very cognizant of how the CIA plants stories uh, with mainstream journalists. This was like part of the Church Commission. Everyone knew this. And in the '70s, uh, you know, actively wanting to disband the CIA was a very mainstream position. Uh, we've 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 kind of gone back on that. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just a, also just a general lack of critical thinking now um Completely. you know if you look at any problem 
Yeah, if you look at any story, I mean, you know, like the China stories generally go back to that weirdo Adrian Zenz. Um, you know, you can trace a lot of that back to him. It's just some sinophile, like, churning a bunch of bullshit. And you trace all of the stories, they all go back to him. Um, you know, a story like uh, w- one of my favorite stories from last year was this story about uh, Russians paying bounties on American soldiers in Afghanistan, which um, <laughs> was oh, These, yeah, I early, mean, the general, early, In general, the Russian obsession is just like so it's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is earlier in the year, um, the story was that Iran was doing it, but that didn't really catch on. And a couple months later, they tried saying that Russia was doing it. And if you read the, the original piece, the New York Times piece, um, it just says the source is just one unnamed source who says that this is maybe going on. Um, and the piece kind of presents it as true, but if you read the piece, it's very clear that the person writing it is, is covering their ass and saying, we only have one person who says this might be happening. But then, of course, all other papers refer to the New York Times story as... Um, the source. As the, right. So, it's like so the, it's the writer as the source. Unnamed yeah. source. And so this bullshit story gets spread and people basically just uncritically accept it as true and a lot of libs do because they're just kind of very uh, russophobic right. and want, you know, they're, we saw all of that over the past four years. Um, but you know, it's just this lack of ability to critically think and, and read and say and assume that what you're being told is bullshit. I mean, I assume everything I'm being told is bullshit. You know, even yeah. when I'm reading Jacobin or whatever. And then, you know... Uh, oh, even, that's the biggest bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but even... Well, the thing, the thing I just have to interject about Jacobin, because it's, it's a funny thing, because I actually like Jacobin, but oh, I, take it, I take it for what it is. Yeah. And it's even... And, like, I remember Cindy got real upset at Jacobin one time and was venting about it. And it made me laugh because I was like, well... I mean, look at their name. They're called the Jacksons. <laughs> it's like if you, if like, it's like when it's like trying to get actual news from the Young Turks. It's like, well, oh, like look what they chose to use yeah. their name as. Obviously, you got to take this shit with a grain of salt. Like what you choose your name as, like Jacobin is cool, but only if you're totally committed to bourgeois society. Like they. They have like socialist tendencies, and it's one of the more left-wing official publications in the U.S. But yeah, you know, if you know the history of the Jacobins, it's not—it's not too good. Not ideal. I mean, I'm a—I'm a fan, but you know. Is <laughs> <laughs> that—is that words? What are we talking about? Is <laughs> that well, text? I, I mean, anyway, I, but I—I I think. Yeah, we're we're going off on different things, but I I still I'm gonna stick to like a something I feel strongly about. I think that yeah, like uh, there is a lacking in like information, right? And um, <laughs> yes, books. Um, and like of a- like actual news sources, right? And I think that probably those of us who who have these stronger like left leaning or whatever, however you want to radical tendencies, like we've done a lot of investigating like on our own and educated ourselves whatever ways and are kind of like digging a bit deeper than just like okay what's this like headline that just happens to like come my way and when when that happens that's just like the acceptance of like okay this must be true uh uh putin uh whatever you know like whatever these like simple basic sort of like answers that libs accept and are prefer to be like spoon have their had their have their views spoon fed to them 
and regurgitated back. I think it's an existential problem they face, though. Like, if you, I think they might know that it goes deeper. They must, they must. And I think it hurts them inside to think, like, oh, everything is fucked up. It's, like, way easier to be like, yeah, that's, that's the story. I don't do they do they actually care? They'd rather like go back to go back to brunch or whatever, go back to like the <laughs> faint, go back yeah. to the, like the absolute like superficial shit in their life and like or or think that they you know are making a huge difference by rocking the vote and you know picking yeah, the, like the, little... the same oligarchy, you know, it's just like it's just those, easier to think that, I guess. Those attainable like goals like a get the Joe Biden like to be elected, like that makes so, people feel good. That like they they're like, oh, this is my thing. That like we did, we did it. It's like if you if your goal is to completely dismantle today. the system, you're gonna feel like shit every day of your life for the rest of your life. But, it's but way that, easier. Yeah, I mean, I I I guess, but also like, yeah, I just don't understand. Especially right, like if those people who would want to feel like, oh, they're like uh, on the underground or like on in the fringes or whatever. It's like, well, you are just as mainstream and cucked and basic as all of these other fucking people i mean i don't know yeah i mean a lot of them did a rebrand like they did it twice once they went, when they went to college and once when they became 30 of like you know <laughs> so this is their new thing we'll see what happens at 35 40 but <laughs> well i mean like i think that this speaks a lot on the effectiveness of electoral politics um in the united states if the media is just a big web of disinformation uh, how can you trust that the that electoral politics will actually ever accomplish progress? There's so much, like, but there like is lies a- every single day in the news, you know? And, and it's not just about, like, China or Russia, although Russia gets, you know, just shot on all yeah. the time. Red, red it's like a war. snake that eats its own tail, right? Like, every source goes back to the same source. It's like, sources say this source came from... This source, it's like, oh, it came from Reuters or it came from AFP. Well, all of those places got their information from actual, like, CIA, you know? Like, so how can you trust that people can make an informed decision about electoral politics when the news is complicit in upholding the status quo? Yeah, the the news is complicit, but that's why people have to, like— be fucking grown-ups and do some investigation of their own and, like, do a little work and not be like, okay, well, we're, I'm told by this um, mainstream outlet who is clearly owned by these other companies, which are also beholden to <laughs> these other parties. I mean, like, do the fucking work. I, don't, I mean, that's just, like, not an excuse. Like, there are resources, and more so now probably than than before. And, yeah, a lot of, it's, like, I feel like even in my own journey of things, like I have to keep on like reevaluating, like, okay, like this actually seems like it's like sticking, you know, too much to the center. I'm going to have to like keep digging. You, like, you keep digging, right? You have to like keep digging and keep investigating and keep on educating yourself because you're a, you know, fucking grown ass person in this world. And if, and if you've seen some sliver of like all of the fucked up shit in the world, like you don't just like stop there and like, be complacent right you like i think it's kind of reactionary though in a way especially recently like alternative news is for maggots and we are like we we like the real news sources cnn new york times like we're not into conspiracy proud to be a maggot man so I'm... it kind of like it's like like where are you going to get your news from anyway and then like well why is this not regular the idea that 
a major thing in the same way that like people would always say, well, that artist is, they're making millions of dollars, so they must be doing something right. The same way as like, right, well, oh, well, New York Times is a big thing, CNN's a big thing, they must be, you know, that must be right, that can't be wrong. And why would you ever look for anything else? Any type of alternative, because like that's just for conspiracy weirdos and like where where chilling libs and like uh, I, yeah, I mean that then that, that's that's why I hate libs. Uh, that is <laughs> that's the hugest thing, you know, like um, a a complete uh, being completely pacified with being like a zombie essentially is I can't think of anything more pathetic than that. Um, but for the most part, it's working for them. Their life is working for them, either way. Yeah. So well, it's like, what's the difference? But that's a vanishing, it's a vanishing number as the American empire uh, yeah. declines, which is clearly what's happening. It's like um, and, crabs in a pot or whatever the fuck they're saying. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Frogs, um, but, even, but even more so, I mean, you're finding, you know, a lot of people, you know, I, I, I don't put any stock in uh, Joe Biden being able to uh, change course here at all, so inequality will you mean go. We're up. not going to push him. We're not going to push him left. Yeah, no. I mean, no one's going to push him left unless there's, you know, <laughs> large strike waves and unless there's labor organizing. But we're very far from that. Yeah, um, no, that's, so, not, that's not happening um, at all. And so, um, uh, I don't know what I was going to say. I lost it. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just, I'm just vibing with Biden at this point. <laughs> I'm vibing out. That sounds like a T-shirt. I'm ready for. I'm ready for whatever flavors of ice cream he's gonna serve. I just want to. I just want to sniff some some ladies' hair with him, and I just want it all to go back to normal. Some ladies. Some ladies or some teenagers, like some preteens. Well, I mean, you know, he's from back in the day, so you know the age of consent has slid in a certain direction. You can't blame the man for oh being set in his place. <laughs> well, the thing is, Joe Biden represents, I think, the the the, the state of uh, liberal and bourgeois values very well. Um, you had, uh, I, I like to think of sort of this election as a choice between three sort of paths between uh, that America could go down. There was continuing Trump, which is to say that in the face of the American empire declining, you lash out. Um, there was Bernie, which is to say, to uh, Accept and note and uh, you know really understand the fact that the American empire is crumbling, and say okay, well you know we're going to actually make it a little things a little better as we sort of settle into a uh, no longer some sort of first-rate power. We're going to you know create some sort of decent standard of living for everyone. And then there was the third, which was Joe Biden, which was a sort of liberal nostalgia to say. We're not declining. We're still good. Uh, we're actually, it's still the 60s. You know? Or, 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 let, let's, like, get back, let's get back to the place that, the that, set, that set the conditions for Trump. Let's, let's do back so we can get another Trump better next Yeah, time. or even further. I mean, you know, I don't, you know, Joe Biden is, like, clearly not all there. Uh, and, you know, he is sort of, as he's sort of sundowning, and, you know, his brain is kind of like a mishmash of, you know, memories from... His childhood and things, you know, but that's that I think represents the the sort of larger um, bourgeois mind uh, in America today as well. Is you know libs wanting to do Cold War number two again, whether it's against Russia or whether it's against China, they don't really care. They love the symbolism, they love the memories, they love the media and the movies sure. from back in the day. 
Um, and it's this sort of retreat. Biden represents this retreat of America back into this place where it's not going to lash out like Trump is. I mean, we're going to do terrible things. Joe Biden is going to keep the pressure on China. He's going to, he already said uh, some bullshit about, you know, whatever. All the same shit is going to be bad when we're talking about what's going on in the world. Um, but, you know, it's this sort of. But they're going to uh, do it with identity politics now. Or, yeah, I mean, you know, it'll be updated a little bit like that, but, you know, just be this kind of retreat into believing that we are still this beacon of hope in the world, which we never were, but we did used to be able to convincingly tell ourselves. And I, mean, I don't think anyone with their eyes open can say that anymore. I mean, the, the, the empire is crumbling, you know, good riddance for sure, but it sucks if you're living in, in a crumbling empire. Uh, and so... You know, the question is, what do we do with that? Uh, um, well, yeah, the rest of the world it would, isn't sad about the empire crumbling. I mean, nor, no, nor, no, nor, nor, nor am I really. Um, but uh, yeah, also, like, I know that we're, we're, you know, we're talking about Joe Biden as being like, you know, like old forgetful man or, you know, like eating ice cream or whatever. But like, let's not forget, <laughs> he's like, he's been, he's like, you know, he had plenty of energy to like yeah. contribute to a million of the problems that we are still um, suffering from now. It's not so. to let him off the hook. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think in my, in my naive optimism thing again, that uh, Joe Biden w becoming president did even just for certain libs was like, Oh, what the fuck? Like this was not even on my list of like libs that I wanted. Like this is, this guy sucks. And I, I think it may it, or may not, not not the like hardcore rad libs, but like I think people that were like thinking that this shit made sense. I think Joe Biden is kind of the one that, that makes them scratch their head. Like, wait, what the fuck? Like, you couldn't even get like Pete Bucklug or whatever. Like one of the other guys that I liked. Like, <laughs> it, you know what I mean? It's like Joe Biden. Like, why would you put Joe Biden? This guy sucks, and he sucks <laughs> for literally everybody. Like, nobody wanted him. I mean, not none of none of the obviously like none of the options were good. I mean, that's why they had to have like a thousand, you know, I mean, basically like the Democrats got so shook by like Bernie's run the last time that they're like, okay, wait, let's like have people at least pretend that they're into some progressive things, but enough to where they're still totally corporatist. And that's clear enough to, you know, everyone else that's actually in power that actually is like in control of things like to satiate those guys. Um, and you know, yeah, they they relied on Obama to like call it in and uh, you know get everybody to like throw their support in a certain direction and you know I mean it it, it amazes me that people still don't see that for like the blatant theater that it was. My so point is, Joe Biden has done plenty of damage before as before yeah. even being president is what my point was. I was just going to comment on um, a related, uh, someone commented in the chat about what about climate change, which is a global issue. I feel like, I'm not sure what that comment is in regards to, so I'm just going to project my reading of it, <laughs> which is, um, I think people think that part of the reason why voting in Biden is, uh, it's not all bad. You know, there are things like climate that could improve like in terms of climate change policies under Biden. The thing is, how, like, you have to understand, you have to be able to tell the difference between, like, actual change and change that's sort of, like, to shut people up. You know, there's... Performance, what is the, 
Yeah, exactly. What is yeah. the point of um, go, going back to the the what's the uh, Paris climate uh, agreement that Biden has agreed to rejoin yeah. or whatever, but then continue to rage war uh, or wage war and build more bases throughout the world? Like the military complex contributes to so much climate change. Oh, and yeah. unlike what Liz Warren says, you can't like greenwash Green the military. Yeah, no, yeah. Like um, it, no matter what, like, no matter how you power uh, your guns and all of that, all that shit is just going to ruin the environment. And, like, as long as he continues to, as long as the DNC continues to be in power, they're not going to change anything. Yeah. I mean, we've seen how much the, the squad has, you know, changed over the years um the way that they voted for nancy pelosi uh yeah. after making this you know abstaining or like not voting for no, her but then performative this is it's the thing. all just this is the problem this is the yeah you can't yeah. fix the dnc the dnc fixes you and that's kind of like the reality that people don't yeah. want to contend with I mean, what I would say about climate change is we know what climate change is caused by. It's caused by capitalist accumulation. Uh, that's it. And to pretend that you can put a bunch of, that we have this fucking, you know, giant leak and you can put your hand on a certain, on a couple parts of the pipe that are leaking and, and, and stay the wound, uh, it, it, it's a joke. You have to fucking turn off the, the water at the source. Um, you know, uh, and here I'll just, you know, like a very good disciplined Marxist, I will say that, you know, the history of society is class struggle. We live in a society of class struggle. That is what drives capitalist accumulation. The driver of capitalist accumulation is the exploitation of the proletariat. And this, re this will result in two things. It will result either in communism, uh, a transition to a higher stage and, uh, you know, a, a uh, a more equal uh, and uh, less harmful mode of production, or will result in, as Marx says, the common ruin of the contending classes. And that is ca climate change. Make no mistake, it's the burning of the fucking planet, the boiling of the oceans. And so to pretend like Joe Biden is going to do anything for climate change, realistically, no. I mean, I, there, there's no way. The genie's out of the fucking bottle. And... I think it's absolutely non like unserious. Like if if you think that Joe Biden is going to do anything about this, you're not serious about the actual problem because the problem is so much deeper than 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 any of the very middling things. I mean the, the Paris climate change uh, the Paris agreement was nothing 5 years ago when it was proposed. Everyone yeah. was like this is stupid and ridiculous it's not enough garbage. We're five years later, okay? Like, no, rejoining the climate change, re rejoining the Paris Agreement is going to placate a lot of people. And that is exactly what, uh, you know, is going to, is just going to continue us fucking barreling towards uh, oblivion here. Climate change, wars, like all those things, as, as people don't actually view them as like as devastating as it is, they view them as like collateral for the way we have to live our life. If you try to really change it in any meaningful way, it's kind of an affront to your entire lifestyle. So, like, I don't see how, like, you're not going to wake people up to climate change. Like, it, that is not going to happen. It doesn't make a difference if it happens. 
Like yeah. none of that shit actually makes a difference, like materially. Like if you know about it, like we know that like wars are bad. We know that. We know killing people is bad, but some somehow you're able to rationalize in your head like, well, that one was kind of necessary. That church kind of had to get blown up. Like, you know, we have to keep our society together. And this is the only way to do it is like keep the same shit going with little tweaks here and there and a couple rebrands and maybe like uh, some type of Black Lives Matter flag over it or something like, and then like that's how we move forward. But it's I mean, nothing I, meaningful. I, I think that people that like do kind of dig into this a little bit deeper, like know that it's, do know that it's not okay, right? And like it's, but we are obviously as Americans like heavily like programmed with this, like these ideas of American exceptionalism and like, you know, just there, there's no shortage of um, propaganda that like we are fed to to justify all of these things. You know that we really have no fucking business um, in because uh, because we don't. But they support you know the military industrial complex, the prison industrial complex. You know, like um, like we we like the country is like behold. You know, we are a ship that whichever way you slice it between these two parties is like beholden to all of these fucking evil, atrocious things. Yeah. I think it goes deeper, though. I mean, uh, you know, you're not going to wake people up because, I mean, it's going to be very difficult to wake people up because we're all very good liberal bourgeois subjects, which is to say that we we ex experience reality through the self and through our own ego. Um, you know, Ayn Rand uh, said, uh, you know, uh, when I die, the world ends because there is nothing other than me, which is a fucking horrifying thing to think. But I think a lot of liberals implicitly believe it. They may know that the world continues when they die, but I don't think they've internalized it. And um, but it doesn't affect them anymore. Yeah, it's a, I mean, I yeah. don't think there's because to in, to really internalize that, you need to. Um, start to destroy the sort of belief in the individual as a sort of a, atomic self and your perspective on the world, which is you're the protagonist and right. you are the primary driver. Um, and, you know, to an extent we are, you know, all fucking locked in our heads and shit, but, you know, to start to pull the fucking wrench, the ego out and start to dissolve that into a uh, more, um, a, a, a vision of, of reality that takes in the multitude of people and reaches towards a sort of uh, common humanity. Um, that is the thing that I don't think, um, that, that, that is one of the major uh, barriers, I think, to, to, uh, to, to, to moving. And it's not a very material argument, I know, but uh, I do think it's, it's, it's an important one. Speaking of the proletariat a little earlier, uh, you know, when we think of the white proletariat, the people who took place in the Kupliani or the Bay of Chuds, and just <laughs> general Q anonymous people and just that side, you know, a lot of us, especially in the dance music world, we live in, and especially those who live in ultra liberal cities, New York or, you know, LA or, you know, I guess, I don't know. What, what's li what's the most liberal city in Canada? Saskatoon. Uh, <laughs> Saskatoon, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or Saskatoon. And you, we don't really interact with, you know, the other side too often. And I feel that Keith being in the union and just, you know, 
having a, a quote unquote normal person job uh, <laughs> what is you know interacts you know and we've talked about it before like like interacting with people who literally believe in QAnon we're all focused on like fighting with libs and on the left meanwhile like this other crazy shit is going on and Keith and I would talk about it on other thing we did with Pablo and it's just like what do you fucking do about that because it's not my responsibility as a black person to do anything about to try and like convert those people or convince them and it's not the responsibility of most oppressed or un or underprivileged people but something has to be done because i don't really understand like what libs think is going to happen the libs just seem to think that if they become the cops then they'll just like keep everyone in line or something i don't really understand the yeah. plan yeah, and well, it's, it's total contempt for the poor because there's no class analysis on in any of their politics. So yeah, exactly. you're never going to connect with these people. And from my own experience, dealing with like people who are union members in the labor union in New York City that have the most bizarre politics ever, and you can speak to them if you speak to them like they're adults and not like they're poor dumbasses. Exactly. I've walked them into being communists so many times through the back door until I do the big reveal. And the problem is people, and like you can see in the chat, like you're insufferable and nobody wants to deal with you. So like you need to handle these situations in a way that's not full of complete contempt. And I know they suck, these people are terrible, but here's the thing is like, you want like a general strike? Well, you gotta get some fucking workers to do it. And like, what's better than massive labor unions filled with thousands and hundreds of thousands? I have 20,000 people in my union alone. There's hundreds of thousands of people in, I'm, as a painter, in just New York. And instead of it being an extremely online thing where you like name, like drop all like books and philosophers, like, like theory is cool, but you need to translate it into yeah. like ways that people can digest. And you're not doing that by like, being insufferable online and that's like first step if if like you have the opportunity to be like a cool person be a fucking cool person i kind of see in my mind this analogy of like the biggest thing standing in between working like left and right working class solidarity is liberals because like anytime like during bernie's campaign when he would go do crazy things like go on fox news or go on the joe rogan podcast and uh talk to people who are outside of his immediate sort of uh political constituency or whatever uh there are all these libs screaming at him for yeah. being um like uh i don't know a sexist uh for being <laughs> Uh, guilty by association Too for dead. being a fascist, for being a racist, for being all of that. I mean, he just gets demonized for trying to talk to these people. And then anytime someone, for example, when Liz Warren refused to go on Fox News, I believe, or something like that, there was like a, a thing for a day. There were all these people like clapping, rooting her on, being like, yeah, we don't we don't negotiate with fascists or whatever you know that kind of like encouragement of echo chambers it we're never going to reach uh you know class solidarity working class solidarity when there are fucking annoying like 
Puritans from like the centrist liberal world, like demonizing everyone that would even like, I think it's very simplistic to think that everyone that voted for Trump is racist. I don't know if that's going to get me canceled, but no, I genuinely believe that that's a very dreams over. You can't dumb. You can't Sorry, that week of like the, with Bernie was on Joe Rogan because literally I hear the same Joe Rogan episodes at work all day from and I'm on build, in buildings with hundreds and hundreds of people that are listening to Joe Rogan and that week they were all Bernie people until Twitter found out about yeah. it and it was a completely different atmosphere again. Yeah. So I would say two things. One is that uh, to talk to like Keith's point about uh, union stuff, I think there was one overriding story of importance over the past four years. It had nothing to do with Trump. It had nothing to do with AOC. It had nothing to do with any of that. It was the teacher strikes. Because mm -hmm. the teacher strikes, you had the teacher, the heads of the unions who were not in favor of this. They were just kind of bullshit. But the rank and file were pissed off. And in, what, like 20 city, 20 states across the country, teachers went on strike. And they won in every single time. And they won, and, and so there was a reason why this was not a big story. It's because it showed that teachers, unions, striking, can pull concessions. And it's actually very easy. They, this was, you know, they, they, they did it. There, there was not real, there was no real challenge to them. Um, they got everything they wanted. And so I think, uh, so one thing I want to say is that, is that you do see a sort of increase in, in union activity, but... This is where politics is. We need to rethink politics as not as ignoring the sort of liberal fetish of electoralism and going to what really matters, which is workers together demanding what they want. And if they don't get it, using their power to withhold labor um, to fucking wrench shit from above and not ask for it. Um, the second thing I would say is... Um, Per liberals, I mean, you know, I grew up in a fucking, you know, my whole family are Trump supporters. You know, I grew up in a New York scumbag Republican, you know, my whole family's from Long Island. You know, it's, I grew up in, yeah. And so, you know, the type. And so this was always the <laughs> oh, yeah. thing is when I would be on tour, people would be like, you know, if, if anyone ever found out that, you know, my whole family was like Trump supporters or whatever, they'd be like, wait, you're from New York. You're from the most liberal place in the world and it's like you don't know new york you know you don't know uh you know the parts of new york where you know uh, staten island long island you know jersey connecticut all these places where you know the real heart of and the real base of trump's support is and and the liberals wanted to believe because they looked down on working people they wanted to believe that trump's base were working uh you know coal miners uh who were angry and did, were, did coal miners vote for Trump? Sure, some of them did. But they weren't Trump's base. Trump's base were wealthy. They were petty bourgeois. They lived in the suburbs. Um, and this was what liberals wanted to believe so desperately, and they still can't fucking let go of this belief. They want to believe because they have contempt for lower-class working people. Yeah. Um, and they wanted to believe that Trump, this disgusting menace who they hated, um, they wanted to believe he represented the unwashed. People that were different than them. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, but the, but it's not true. I mean, some of them sure did vote for him, but the peop, but lots of the you know raw numbers on 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 who voted for Trump, uh, you know, were people who can very quickly be turned to uh, you know radical left wing politics. They were just pissed off and saw Trump as a decent way to express their anger at a system that has absolutely fucked them over um, in ways that is different from the from the ways it's fucked over. You know. Uh, other communities in the country, but you know they've been fucked over nonetheless. And so, um, so yeah, I, I wanted to like, yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to like break that belief that people still think. And and I think this is a tool used by liberals and the bourgeoisie to um, to just say that oh well, workers they're they're racist, you know, like lower class workers. They're all racist. They're all closed minded because they're uneducated. They didn't go to college like me. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. I paid, for it. I paid for my non-racism. So exactly. And so you need to trust me to run everything because I'm smart. I went to college, and they're all technocrats because they think that they, the educated, the college educated, should be the ones to run the show. Um, but you know, I think the the you know if if you don't believe that uneducated workers should be running the show, then you're not really a leftist. You know, uh, that has to be the core of your belief. Is that you know. Right. The dictatorship of the fucking proletariat, you know, the workers controlling their lives. Um, yeah, I think there's been a serious like uh, di disappearance of uh, civic spaces and organizations for people to gather to talk about and to to talk about to discuss. Uh, to learn about politics, but to also engage with politics in a deeper and more meaningful way than just voting every four years or however often, um, and getting off of social media. Like, this is kind of, I wanted to talk about, like, how we can sort of unite these factions, and I don't think we can do that on the internet, you know? I think, I mean, at least on places like Twitter. And um, Motive A in the comments uh, in the chat, she mentioned, uh, you know, the people, our, our peers do that on Twitter constantly. And she's absolutely right. I think dance music, I mean, we hoard people, liberals, that like to um, purity test uh, people or demonize others and use ad hominem attacks to sort of delegitimize uh, people and their entire points. And that's really, really wrong. I think that, you know, if we took, if there was a, it's something that like as unions kind of disappeared, uh, not disappeared, but like I mean, they pretty much disappeared um, from American life or disintegrated in the last 100 years. Um, so did a lot of those sort of community spaces, those clubs where like, you know, people that gathered um, to, to sort of organize, you know, neighborhood uh, organizations and, and things like that. Do they even exist uh, in the U.S. anymore? Like, I mean, stonemasons, that's like kind of like an outdated type of organization. But, you know, like something kind of relevant, like the Rotary Club or like things like uh, communities and organizations where people can gather and meet and talk about political engagement civic duty um, beyond just, uh, you know, shaming people on the internet, because that's obviously really making everything worse um, politically. I mean, to what extent does just the fucking social media, Twitter, it, it gamifies your, like, ego. It tells you that likes is good, you know, and it sort of, it, 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 
it reinforces your sort of understanding of the world as like you being this sort of, uh, I don't know, this, this, this driver and that, you know, you display your own uh, individual morality and whatever. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I totally agree with you, uh, you know, there needs to be a real space. And I, and I believed uh, after Trump won, I believed that dance music could provide that space. We all meet in real life together often. We go out dancing together often. We, we, we interact with all sorts of people all the time. Um, we have a lot of energy. I, I, I hoped that dance music could really um, be a place to really start to express and find a political voice for people. Sure, maybe some core things, but then there's just so many other things to work out, like the the ways in which we think these things can be accomplished, this, that, and the other. I mean, I don't, we're not inherently sharing views just because we are within the dance. dance yeah. Phase. I think that a lot of, I mean, we tend to, and people tend to like have this belief, maybe makes themselves feel better that like dance music isn't for the normies, but it totally is. It's yeah. like a very, yes. Yes. and it really does not feel inclusive to the normies. Like, in a lot of these spaces, it like that were supposed to be, you know, for whatever reason, like they are labeled as inclusive, but they don't feel that way. And like you cannot, it's like almost uh, in the same way you could get like now like like construction workers to become leftists. Like you could become like tech house people to become like uh, the same way, but you just will not allow them to exist in your space. Which is fun. a lot of them are shitty, and that's how that's kind of how we're gonna have to play this going forward is we need to take it case by case basis and if a person is deemed to be sh like shitty in our space then like fuck them but like if there's something there that like you know you have a normie show up to your to bossa nova like who i am that normie like don't be fucking weird and and don't act like an asshole because now they're not in your space anymore and now you it's just you and your shitty friends like chatting in the back and like if you really it's like that's fine if that's what you want but if you want to build some type of movement through dance music like you're gonna have to be more inclusive to the general population. I care about. Uh, I, I probably. I personally probably have more of a vested interest in like garnering um, ideas to um, a direction in the left. Uh, I care about that more than I care about it happening through dance music. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah, give sure. a shit about it. It does seem pretty um, close, to be honest. But it would be great if, in general, like the left or whatever could be stronger like however that takes i don't care if it's yeah electricians great i'd rather hang out with uh, whomever that is not into like the same music that i'm into i don't care about that well, at the end of the day as leftists and as communists the whole point is for our politics not to be edgy right i want to build power and i want everyone to be a communist. Or, yeah yeah you no know, yeah. it's the like, right it's the right wing or the people who want to be yeah. edgy with their politics my politics is not edgy and it's not supposed to be. It's the whole point is to make everyone, um, you know, a communist, whether that's convincing or whether that's, you know, uh, organizing and putting pressure or, you know, whatever. But the belief is that, you know, what we're doing is good for everyone. That's the yeah. riding core of the belief. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, just sort of Keith's point of bringing people in, being inclusive, you know, and this is something, you know, I personally always struggle with, uh, you know, just trying to be 
Yeah, I'm always just trying to be your friendly neighborhood communist who, you know, is, <laughs> is ready to, uh, you know, is nice and, you know. Ready to seize the means at any time. Yeah, exactly. You know, but just ready to ready, you know, ready to bring you in and show you why that's why that's a good idea. Um, and you know that 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 is the sort of you know political uh, thing that you know uh, some people struggle with. Inclusion is the key here, um, and pulling people together rather than uh, you know. I mean, yeah, some people suck. You gotta you gotta fucking ditch them, but. Uh, I don't know I, I, yeah, that like when we say it out loud, it does like kind of seem like a silly idea. Like it sounded better <laughs> before I got to the end. I'm like, oh, wait, I don't really give a shit that much about that. <laughs> so, what am I even? What am I arguing about at this point? I'm not even. <laughs> I, think a, I think it's a fair point though, because that's honestly a big part of why I got into it. As I, because I know I've been a socialist and a Marxist since I was a teenager. And I guess I looked at the way I looked at it is that I wanted to do something that was going to not be a cog in the wheel that was going to cause like actual pain. Like I didn't want to have any job that was like in direct line with causing suffering on people. And I wanted to be able to like enjoy myself. And that's, you know, a reason of, you know, trying to do DJing and honestly there were points and you know, they're rare, but there you know, we've all had it. Like there are points where we've and we've probably all been there together at times too, honestly. It's like where like you're at a party where everything just clicks. Where it all just clicks and it just like feels so good to like just be in that moment with those people enjoying the same thing in a way that I guess the closest thing is religion because I don't, I've never really felt anything like that anywhere else in like the brief moments of euphoria and just uh, togetherness that you can feel if the, you know, the party, the situation is just right. All the things are, yeah. If everything's aligned. So in that sense, I think there is potential but how we harnessed it into material things is another question, of course. And that's an unpacking a lot of things about just first admitting that, you know, even the people who think that themselves so progressive and, uh, you know, just have a soapbox have to realize that you can easily be oppressed and flip and be a, a tool of capitalism real quick. You can get exploited real quick, even if you think you're doing the right thing. And I think that ties back into how a lot of people in our scene and recently come from oppressed backgrounds. And for the first time, they get a little taste of power, of recognition. And, you know, they go full tanky. They go full Stalin with it. They don't even realize it, but they turn into the police and just like... Uh, really setting up rigid lines and little groups and hierarchies. So there is a problem, but, you know, it's deeper than uh, dance music is going to be able to solve on its own. I, I do, again, naive optimism coming in. Like, I do think that that was even, like, three, four years ago, it was way more of a problem. And especially now having this year of, like, just 
almost like a reset. I do think people are kind of starting to uh, come to their senses a bit. They are still being cops, which is shit. But like, I think that the era of like um, gaining, you know, gaining some notoriety, gaining some clout, some power, like, and using it for evil, like, I kind of see that as being over because nobody has the power anymore. So we're kind of starting from zero again, and. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, it doesn't seem as dire. Like 2016, 17, 18, I was like, oh my God, this is like a, this is a hellscape. But it seems like <laughs> everyone even got sick of their own voice and their own shit. And it's kind of like, I think we're kind of coming out of it. And if the pendulum is swinging back or whatever type shit, but I kind of feel like that's happening. Sure hope so. I hope so. Because there's definitely no shortage of cops in this scene, you know, figurative cops. Uh, you know, like, I guess we should talk about Playgraves and um, uh, accounts that are set up to essentially, uh, like, uh, demonize, uh, bully, and shame uh, people. Not all of them are rich. Not all of them are uh, in the exact same. Not all of them are, are business techno DJs. And, like, I mean this is sort of like maybe it's just a symptom of the time of the year people spend too much time on the internet uh with nothing else to do it's sort of like entertainment uh let's dunk on these idiots uh for fun but uh you know i really hope to see that kind of end um you know and that i'm not saying that like i think djs should be playing playgraves i have not played a single one and uh i think it's just a right and a there's a, there's a way of responding to it that I think is constructive, um, and I don't think attacking individuals uh, for and doxing them on the internet, uh, sort of posting people's uh, you know private like their their information their social media accounts tagging them so that other people can clown on them can shit on them can send them death threats and all sorts of things like these are this is not normal behavior it's extremely unhinged and uh the fact that there these accounts continue to exist um i just i don't know i think it's a misuse of your energy and i um like maybe this is an unpopular opinion. I know how popular that business techno account is, and I've like um, you know I I think I don't disagree with the, some of the things that they're saying, but the their existence and their ongoing existence as essentially the neighborhood watch of DJs, as the TMZ paparazzi of DJs that misbehave, um, is extremely problematic because not all their posts are about playgraves. Some of them are just like, look at this stupid DJ, let's clown on them. Uh, and that is frankly like, do people think that's doing an activism? Do people think that that's like uh, they're, they're so far even past cop? It's like straight up like FBI shit. They're like posting private photos and videos from private things that like people do. That to me is like so like someone like also who is sending them these like videos private like from small gatherings and things like who is doing that in your friend group is fucked up. But like that this is a thing that people are like being the cops and the investigators and they're just like, aha, look where I am. I got a photo. It's so disgusting. 
And I think it's it's disgusting. And I think we should be very weary of fostering the, uh, an environment of distrust because, um, you know, like not to, I always bring up China, but that's where I came from. But like in China, there's a serious problem of, sort of social distrust from person to person. And a lot of that comes back to the purges that happened during the Cultural Revolution. And people don't feel safe like saying how they really feel to one another because of this history of you could get snitched and people were encouraged to snitch on people in their community. And right now we live, like we operate online in a space where people kind of uh, award that kind of, or reward that kind of behavior where if you, you know, sort of like snitch on someone if you call someone out shame them publicly do whatever you know your your clout increases by 10 to 100 points yeah. and what is like you know and i don't want to sound like i'm like you know holier than thou i know that i have in the past uh you know been guilty of that too and it's really you can all, I think everybody feels like they want to belong and they want to be a part of something. And sometimes it's easier to go along with it than, you know, do something that's actually quite courageous and brave, which is tell your friends who you love that, like, I don't agree with you and I don't agree with what you're doing because it often seems like the only the risk of doing that is being labeled a racist, a, a, a genocide denier, a fascist, um, a rape apologist, all sorts of things, you know, and and people have lost their their courage to speak up, to say how they really feel. And um, and we don't trust each other. And that's that is just not, uh, you know, what I came to fight for. And I think that it's not anybody, it's not anything that any of us here are fighting for either, right? Like that's the opposite of solidarity. Yeah. So. I think it's a really important point. And, and I think what it is, is it's it's this belief that shaming is politics. Um, that, you know, uh, displaying your own moral virtue, your own perceived moral virtue is some sort of act of politics. Uh, you know, I think it's not. Uh, a because it destroys the social bound, the social bonds that are so critical to the building uh, political movement. You have to, like Cindy, you just said, you have to have a fucking community of people who you trust and love and want to, uh, and and who you want to work with um, to achieve anything, to to achieve anything decent. Um, and yeah, I mean, shaming is not. I, I, I think uh, someone in the chat here, Crom, sorry, uh, Crow M, says, uh, I think a lot of people think that uh, there's massive unsolved problems and they have no power to change. And, and that's exactly it. You know, um, everyone's frustrated. There's, there's, so much, uh, there's so much shit that we deal with on a daily basis. Uh, rent, yeah, I don't need to go down the fucking list. But um, people feel really powerless, and uh, calling people out on social media gives them a little fucking boost of adrenaline, makes them feel um, powerful for, for an instant. And the problem is, is it pulls into the bourgeois notion that, that, that shaming and being a cop is good. Um, you know, and, it, and it's not, because, yeah, I think, Cindy, you just said it, said it very well. It, it just destroys all the trust that needs to be the groundwork. To building something uh, lasting, you know, the Bolsheviks didn't shame their 
way into power. You know, they they fucking fought for it because I think that's they, almost giving them too much credit. Honestly, I, I yeah. Sorry, but like, it's like I think they're searching for the currency of clout, and instead of putting out like uh, three really good records, like the only way to get involved in this dance music scene is to like be, be have notoriety is to just like do a couple posts and like fuck some shit up. Like, it doesn't take any work. You just fuck some shit up, and, like, here you are. People are mentioning you. You're on the same, you know? People are quote-tweeting your shit. They're reposting your shit. Look at you. You're everywhere. You might trend a little bit. It's like, that's a lot less work than, like... Well, I'm going to pull a Tano and be a naively optimistic person here. That I don't know if that applies to everyone. I feel like some people are probably like that, but I genuinely think the majority of people believe that they're doing the right thing. That this is something that, I mean, I think the the sort of American exceptionalism is never far from sort of like how we um, kind of conduct ourselves as individuals, and we all want to believe that like we're doing something that's good and and helpful and even if that's wrong even if we're in denial i think you know no animal on this planet is as good at at denial as as humans are and and to live in this sort of like state of false uh identity or, or what have you i yeah i mean i think some people genuinely think that they're they're doing something and that's what is so misguided and wrong about where we at as we where we are at as sort of um, a faction of of people. It's a you know a microcosm of the larger problem that was already going on, and it's uh, a very current way of looking at it because you know the plague is the plague raise is a way to gain clout and also feel morally superior, just as people have been doing in dance music recently. We had some questions. Why is identity politics so effective? I want to hear an actual, like, uh, let's hear a, a good academic communist answer to that. Let's hear right, go to the bathroom while this happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I can say why it's not effective. I can say why yeah, it's I very like effective. That. For, for liberals and for the bourgeois. Yeah, I think um, that's, I'm pretty sure that's what they meant by it. Yeah, when we were, when, you know, Taj had sort of uh, given us a little list of questions, and, and one of the one of the questions on the list was what radicalized you? And, um, you know, for me, whatever, I've read shit, and, you know, I grew up in a New York Republican household, and, you know, am now a communist because of all sorts of things. But the thing that I think really radicalized me and made it, made it clear to me um, was after Trump won, going to a whole lot of protests and rallies, um, and so one in particular, so you know, the, at JFK, um, and then one in particular was a, a, a strike by uh, Yemeni bodega workers. And what radicalized me was showing up there, and I sort of had approached it from the sort of liberal ally of being an ally, the liberal angle of being an ally saying, oh, I'm like, I support Yemeni bodega workers, absolutely. I'm going to go show up and be an ally to them. But that's not what happened. Um, I was pulled in, and in that moment, I was one of the group. I wasn't some bystander uh, standing back and being an ally and taking space. I was in the group, 
welcomed in and was fighting with them. And it was because in that moment, you start to really believe and uh, concretely experience moments of solidarity, which is to say that their struggle, the struggle of Yemeni bodega workers, they have, they have a particular struggle in American society, in New York, whatever. They have particular grievances, of course. But all of those grievances are leaves on a tree, and that tree at its root is the same as the struggle that I have, is the same as the struggle that you have, is the same as the struggle that you have. That all of these struggles are related, and they all, in their particularities, deep down, move towards the universality of uh, a struggle against capitalism. And what identity politics or representational politics or whatever you want to talk about does is it says it, it, uh, it glorifies the particularities and focuses on the marginalities of each group. It focuses on the Black Lives Matter struggle, for example, as a particular and marginal struggle. But no, it has its particularities, of course. But at its roots, the Black Lives Matter movement is an anti-capitalist movement. And it, at its roots, it, it, their struggle grows out of the same tree. Or is, is there, that, that struggle is the same as all of the other struggles against capitalism. And the goal here is not to... Um, not to uh, are there noise? Is it me? So, no, it's sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, and, and the goal here is not to is not to sort of uh, relish in the marginality of all of these individual groups with particular struggles, but is to move deeper through those and arrive at the understanding of the way all of these struggles are reflections of the same systematic rot, uh, which is the rot of capitalism. And identity politics, or whatever we want to call it, likes to say that all of these marginal struggles are individual marginal struggles and that uh, you know they are important in their marginality. And that's very helpful for capitalism because it keeps all these struggles unrelated and not able to, uh, to really come together and orient themselves um, against the common evil. Uh, which is, you know, the bourgeoisie, you know, the 99% against the fucking 1%, the many against the few. Uh, you know, liberals love to keep us marginalized and keep us in our own little boxes because if you're in your own little specific box of struggle, then you are a small group. If you're one union, for example, you might be a very small group. But if you're a shitload of unions, well, hold on, now we're actually the many. And the goal here is not to plead for um, relief from the top to these different marginal groups. But, for all these, but the goal is for all these marginal groups to realize that they're all the same and fighting the same fight and, and to take power as the majority. A thing that I kept on thinking about when you were talking was uh, divide and conquer. And, yeah. you know, that's, a, that's one of the core strategies of empire you know that's yeah. how they yeah. they use balkanization to sort of weaken their opponents or enemies ideological enemies and um really economic enemies uh but i think it's not a it's not an, an accident that it, since the pandemic started i have seen at least 
online because I never leave. Increasingly more and more tribalist behavior, uh, sort of, you know, I feel like five years ago, five to ten years ago, we were just sort of talking about what it's like to be a minority, what's it like to be a non-white person, to be a person of color. And then it became, well, no, these are like, black issues are different from non-black um, sort of POC issues, which I agree with. Uh, but it just became more and more. In fact, uh, you know, before it was black and indigenous issues are sort of, you know, part and parcel, everything else, all the other minorities are, you know, or my favorite, which is Asians are white, pretty much. And, uh, and then uh, it, now it's, I see people fighting online about, uh, well, if you are, if you look white, then you're white. If you are white passing, then to sort of invisibilize people's sort of um, their their racial identity uh, and to sort of exclude people from the conversation of like, well, you know, I don't want to talk to you about this because you are lighter skinned than me or we can't work together on this issue because your eyes are slanted or all like, I mean, obviously not saying those words in those ways, but it has the same effect, which is that people are getting, becoming more and more sectarian um, as time has gone on. I mean, I see it in my own circles, the animosity that I feel towards uh, Asian liberals is, oh my God, it's at an all time high, you know, I'm victim to this myself or not, I'm susceptible to this myself. Uh, sort of uh, the kind of boba libs is what we call it. Um, uh, the the divide between it's just become more entrenched, and we're going further and further away from class solidarity, and that's something that we should be very wary of, because they're using this as a strategy to essentially muzzle the left and to render us completely disempowered. Right. And I would say it's not to it's not to ignore um, those particularities. It's not to no. it's not to ignore the specifics of, for example, the black struggle in America or any particular struggle. It's not to ignore those particulars, but it's to embrace. It's to look deeper into the roots of those struggles and identify the common links between all these struggles. You know, it's it's anti-racism, anti-patriarchy. Uh, all of these things have to be at the root of 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 uh, any sort of movement towards solidarity, because it's only through breaking down the barriers that divide us that we're able to recognize our shared uh, goal and our most importantly our shared power and our shared numbers. It's it's not to trivialize it's not to ignore them, but it's also to not trivialize those things either, right? Yeah. Like. Just yeah. not to go back to like the like Kamala, like girl boss, like yes, like gonna be, you know, like <laughs> sissy that bomb drop, you know, whatever. Like, like <laughs> also to like not do that either. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kamala Harris is not a an impressed person in, in America. We know we need to right, right. But well, no. well just to, as going back to like the identity politics <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, thing, and because I because I mentioned it somewhere earlier, and I always yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean. Have you ever seen a cop wear such a nice purple suit? Oh, uh, I, I didn't. I, I didn't see her suit, but I know that I heard she wears Converse. So I feel like. I mean, she oh, left. She oh, left the Converse. She, she left. Down. Yeah. There was no Converse, no Chuck Taylors, and no Timberlands. Oh. 
but they'll be back. <laughs> Don't worry. I mean, the Tims. You know, yeah. What, what more do you want? The lady, the brown lady, is wearing Tims in the White House. What Has do you guys want? Yeah, you guys want health healthcare? <laughs> no, look at Tims. What you want a minimum wage? What are you talking about? Yeah, but I bet she's, you were the Tims. She's doing the Dougie. The, the kids love the kids love the Dougie. It's fine. The cop is doing the Dougie. I mean, we have it all. Like finally. Yeah, I mean, I love how everyone just forgot like all of her track record. Well, like both magically. That's 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 you know, that's a big I mean, it's right. just it's really sad when I see like queer people and just women of color celebrating it. Cause it's just like oh, it's she like it does they like she doesn't care about you and her record has shown that Showed she doesn't it. care yeah, about no, you. No. Right. Like well, I mean, he's been terrible to, this is, to this women is, of color and yeah. queer people in California. Like and it's just I don't know, just like the shirts with the Kamala on it and the yes queens. It's just it's a lot. It's a whole lot. Anyone ask about workout tips? I could help you with that. Uh, here's a good one. <laughs> I, I need those. I've actually got two good questions for you, Keith. First one is a little light, lighthearted for a second. Let's uh, take a little lighthearted break. Favorite pizza of all time? <laughs> Favorite pizza? Mm-hmm. Fucking oh, crazy. You thought I said lighthearted. Uh, <laughs> Favorite pizza? I got to be honest. This is going to be a crazy answer, and it's real rare mm-hmm. for the time being. But Sal Carlino Pilioni, really? if you ever get a chance to get some Lucia pizza out of his whatever his kitchen oven, that how do you spell that? L U C A L U C I A Lucia. Man, I almost spelled it in English. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's been doing it out of his parents' backyard. He's been doing it out of a little East Village oven. I think he's he's looking to open up a pizza place. It honestly shits on anything I've had in, in most pizzas. So it's kind of a, a cop-out. I'm not going to give you, like, you know, the answers you want to hear. Just get, get Sal's pizza. That's the one. I, I appreciate that. Chris, <laughs> what, what are you, what's your... What well, you I mean, there's, like, you know, I, I lived near a slice place on Decal Avenue called Luigi's for many years. Um, which was my regular, and I thought they did a, a very, very fine slice. It was not a dollar slice, and it was not some expensive shit. It was the increasingly rare thing in New York, which is a good slice of pizza for like two fifty or something. Yeah, I mean, I guess other than that, my I I, I do enjoy going to uh, to Tono's in Coney Island. That's that's that a is good personal. that's a good answer. Yeah. Uh, also, Long Island has better pizza, the better ratio of pizza than anywhere else. So just remember that. Wow. Don't tell anyone from Brooklyn. I've but. never been to Long Island. I don't recommend it, but <laughs> <laughs> you got to get in and out. Yeah, yeah you, you get in and out. Yeah, I mean, Staten Island also has an incredible ratio of, of pizza. Yeah. Uh, it's not about the racism that does it, I think. You know? It's true. It's like, exactly. Yeah. You got you to really not... You have to be in a neighborhood where there's no black people allowed, and the pizza is superb. Because it's opposite style. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, the I don't even remember the name of this place, but the best pizza I had in years was um, when Kelsey was working on Fire Island. I used to, when I still lived in New York, uh, we would, 
I would drive over to the ferry to, uh, to see her or to pick her up and stuff. And there was a pizza place, right? And this is, of course, you know, this is Long Island. So there was just a pizza place just near the ferry. It's like the only, it's the closest pizza place, like in that town. It's the town that gets invaded by gays as they're going to Fire Island. Uh, so it's a bunch of Italians. Terry like Grove? That. Yeah, yeah. Like, like before that, though. So it's the, it's the actual part of Long Island before you have to take the ferry over. So it's still really Italian, except for like, like during the summer, it's just like flooded with a uh, transient gay population from all over the world. So it's very interesting. But uh, yeah, there's just a random pizza place and it was the best slice I'd had in years. And it just reminded me of when you could get pizza, just like going around in New York. Like you could just, I mean, it, ha it hadn't been like that since I was literally a child, but I remember when my, with my parents, especially with my dad, you could just go to places in New York and just get good pizza. I might and cry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just not a thing in Manhattan anymore. I mean, I, I, I recently was, was moved back to Manhattan for a couple of years, and it's just, uh, it's just either, like, total shit or some expensive, uh, you know, whatever. Um, you know, the, the, the dream that I definitely remember as a kid was, yeah, you could just go anywhere and you get a pretty decent slice for not too much money um but that hasn't but that's just like kind of collapsing you know yeah so it's been it's been like 15 years honestly at least since yeah. i've seen anything like that oh uh, let's see what's another question what's the viability of decentralized social networks to mobilize the scene uh that's a long i mean I know what you're talking about here. That's a fucking long shot. I mean, there I don't are, know. So there's there's there are decentralized social networks and things of that sort where they're like Twitters and Facebook equivalent type things where there's no overarching like centralized source that's controlling everything. Oh. It's kind of the it's uh like kind of like mesh networks and everything is it's kind of like uh think of it like bitcoin and like uh cryptocurrency in the sense of uh, like I mean, it's people doing it themselves okay yeah I, I'm, I'm still trying to understand uh bitcoin like web rings on geocities and like well like the, the big one right now is uh there's one called mastodon and oh, okay. uh like that's one that like people who are it's a it's a place for people who are left wing that go that don't like Twitter is the really? Mastodon oh, is one. Interesting. Um, and the then there's an parlor. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. Why not? Um, Loves parlor. There's we also reclaim parlor. Reclaim <laughs> <laughs> nationalized parlor. Um, there's also some new one that I haven't been checking out. It's called Element, based on like the Matrix network because. Uh, I don't know if anyone's been using Telegram recently. I, I know a lot of people have over the last few years, but uh, Telegram has been banning a lot of, uh, you know, everyone being a cop and celebrating, everyone banning all the right stuff, but Telegram, like Facebook and Twitter, has been banning a lot of leftist stuff as well. And the mm -hmm. Telegram channels actually were very vital communication tools for uh, a lot of the protests that went on this summer. Yeah. I like it was really like very that's important. crazy yeah. I didn't so, know that about telegram yeah that, I mean, it was, that it was vital at the time or that it had now switched 
that it did, had now switched uh, or that yeah. they were uh, persecuting, like censoring yeah. leftists. Oh yeah. So some of, some of the groups on there have been talking about they're uh, going over to Element and Matrix Network. Uh, that's all I've really seen. The thing about it is that you have to make it, it's too techy and it's not the ease of use and it's not user friendly enough yet. It's not so simple that everyone's going to be able to do it. And like, there's not enough, like, uh, it's just, you know, not as accessible as it needs to be yet. But, you know, when you think about the time frame of like what cell phones were 10 years ago to what they are now, it could happen honestly very soon because I think that there is a strong, cause people, you know, actual leftists realize that centralized censorship from big tech companies is not good. Like it's not a good thing. <laughs> I don't know why some people are like applauding all these, like while they've been taking Trump and all the people you don't like off the internet, they've been doing it to leftist groups as well. And by you cheering right, like on, and independent journalists, all everyone, right. and by people cheering it on, it allows them to keep doing that shit. You know what I'm saying? So there's right now people see the need for decentralization. So I hope it just spreads and people look into it more, because you know it's not that hard. But you know, it like I said, it doesn't look pretty yet, and it's not like you know. It doesn't give you that dopamine like effect and all that shit. But it, it, just, it, it just sounds not as it's just not as accessible. Yeah, right? it's just and it, you know it's not it's not as pretty and exciting and you know it's another thing where like uh, you know the shit we have now everyone's already on it and it's easy to find people. Yeah. It's hard to like hate watch it too. Like I hate watch Twitter. I just yeah, like right. I yeah. wake up in the morning I'm like mm, give me some of that. Well, that's like, the whole thing. It's I like I don't want to have to like everybody. A good dose of rage every morning to start your day. But, uh, you know, we're going to be doing more of these, and we'll be talking actually about crypto from a leftist purpose. There's actually some interesting people doing stuff in that and some later ones, uh, things of that sort. Um, let's see, what was another question? I Wait, before you move on to the next question, I also feel like we should maybe resist this urge to like have to find some kind of common ground with people in dance music. That's such a vague term. Like, what does that mean? Find it like dance music. It's like a global thing. Uh, I don't have anything in common with like most European uh, dance music punters uh, politically. I don't have anything to say to them. And other than some vague progressive quote unquote uh, term that could really mean anything. And uh, I, I, I think we need to like, it's weird how scene just became a catch-all term for like this kind of business when really the only people that I really care about in dance music, like organizing with them are people in my own scene, like here. Cause I don't live in Berlin. I don't live in New York. I don't live in those places. What are people doing here? In your local and city. That like, 
there's something to be said about like, you know, communicating using the internet to sort of share ideas and, um, you know, engage politically with each other and which is like a loose term and that's great. But I've just been disappointed so many times by uh, the, the, the dominant narrative in this quote unquote scene or community. It's, uh, there's nothing that draws us together politically it's all bullshit it's marketing you know like we like the same music maybe 30 years ago when this was or 20 years ago or 10 years ago when this was very very underground we had something that was just ours but now it's it's been so co-opted and commercialized it's a billion dollar industry uh, why should we share anything in common with these people? I don't want to share anything in common with these people, I guess. <laughs> like, yeah, I'd rather act, like, organize with other working class people in my... I mean, a lot of people that go into dance music, they're not working class. They are able to do this because they their family has, you know, they have some generational wealth, you know, and I have nothing in common with those people. Why would I organize with them? I guess. I think if there was a version of you in multiple cities, it would be nice to be connected with like each kind of hub of thing as one unit. But I don't think like just reaching out to literally every everyone makes much sense. But I, I do think there is some value in in building strong local scenes and and combining them in some way that yeah. it's like a unified, actually unified thing, not like you know. That, yeah. I mean, if 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 our actual like ideas and principles and the, like those are the more important overarching things. I mean, that's what I was saying before when I like I didn't want I wasn't trying to be an asshole. I mean, I'm never trying, but um, <laughs> you know, and I was like, I don't give a shit about organizing with dancers. It's it's I just yeah. care more about these principles and like our ideas and our goals more than I give a shit about it being under the umbrella of. Well, we're all in dance music. Like, who cares? You know. But yeah, yeah <laughs> but it would be nice. Yeah, it'd be great if we. First, like, first and foremost, we have to, like, get the, the real shit, um, you know. Okay, people to stop scabbing, too. Khadija just not being scabs. Like, they'll start yeah. with that. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's the really tough part is that, you know, on the one hand, I feel like, I mean, it's just my problem with the word, the way the word community is used lately. I mean, uh and, and and the difficult thing is I, I, I feel like I am part of a community, you know, like I love all of you guys. I know you all, um, you know, there's a larger network of people in New York that I really love and feel very close to. And, you know, the uh, fact that we're all in, stuck inside with coronavirus or whatever, it, it, it feels tough. But there's a group of people that I see regularly and, and feel invested in and, and, and really like feel some sort of common um some common, some real fucking, you know, commonality with. Um, and then... You feel that as a result of being in the same dance world? Well, I mean, the, like, the fact that, you know, there is music that we share and we all love, I mean, that's, you know, important, but, you know, people I see also outside of dance events, people who, you know, I don't know, like, who are parts of friends who you, you know, go out and hang out and play records with, you know, and not, not, not part of the corporate dance music scene, not part of like the part of the part that makes money for RA ticketing, but you know, the real sort of, I don't know, a, a group of people who I consider friends and, you know, a, a real uh, community that I feel a part of, but at the same time, um, 
the use of the word dance music community by things like RA or by um, you know large money interests that um, that don't that 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 don't work. I mean, it's just I don't know. That it's, poison it's, that term or that yeah, poison yeah. that feeling of the community community yeah. or. Yeah, it pulls on that thing that I do feel very attached to, that I do feel very, um, it, it, yeah, it pulls on that, that, that thing that I feel very much a part of and abstracts it to this level of saying that, you know, actually, like, the commodification of all of these things, the turning of these, you know, communities into products, into things yeah. to sell, um, you know, that that is also, that's the dance music community. Well, we won't have to worry about any community in real life anytime soon. I know. <laughs> to bring it back to uh, maybe maybe another discussion point that was mentioned. Um, no, right. I, 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 get, I get your point, but yeah, I don't. Uh, I was just yeah. Kidding. Yeah. No one's Dan. No, no, I'm sorry that anyone that thinks that you're going touring or you're clubbing <laughs> this summer, it's not happening. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm gonna stop music altogether, to be honest. You know, this is your time to shine. You can be the club king of Puerto Rico. It took me ten the years. Gringo, to this point. The Gringo King of Puerto Rico, bro. Gringo Kingo. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I just brought it up because I was interested in in the other answers since the. Yeah, I mean, I just I was just putting that out there because I know that you know I see people like, oh, can't wait to get that vaccine and go on tour, and it's like you're not doing that this year. I'm sorry to tell you, it's not happening. Like, if anyone's been paying attention to the vaccine rollout, it's a disaster. And, I, like, Biden will do a slightly better job, like, but there's still so many problems with how interconnected the entire world was and how the vaccine is not going to get to a lot of places in enough time that you're looking at 2022 before we can even begin to think about, you know. Yeah close to what we were doing before i mean so. were people really thinking of it like that i i haven't seen i think so yes. i haven't, seen, I haven't yeah. seen that optimism but again i'm in my like i've seen i've seen a, if not i've seen a few of our friends and peers talk talk say it's been like constant yeah. it's, it's been like constant. i've been like uh you're not you're not touring like you're not going like if you want to go play graving yeah like yeah you can do that because that's all you know, that's going to happen. You know, you might get some... I feel that actually uh, in the summer, people are just going to be a little more lax about outdoor events just because shit, like, you kind of have to live to an extent. Yeah. Um, you know, I think outdoor stuff, literally, like, outside during the spring and summer might be cool. But in the club like in an actual place yeah. like it's just not happening like it's not no. i don't know what to tell everybody it'd be so weird anyway like i don't even know if i could do it it just like yeah. looks weird when i, I see could, photos like, and feel videos comfortable of it. enough to like be like oh yeah cool we're in these like wildly yeah. like tight um spaces with all these just other me and Marco Carolla, like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, and I was want. talking to friends today about nachos and, you know, like, I would love to fucking eat a plate of nachos with friends right now, but I can't even imagine doing that, let alone be in a small fucking club with everyone breathing and sweating on everyone. Like, I can't imagine being anywhere close to feeling okay I mean, with that in a while. 
I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I never want to be breathed on by others anyway. Well, yeah, yeah. We don't control breath. That's nice. <laughs> the best part of what? The mask is like the breath barrier. People's breath. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. Breath. I mean, you know, yeah, there's some elements of distancing. So, so yeah. Really bad. Um, but yeah, that's, that's not happening anymore time soon no. and like who would feel comfortable right and like what are the, there has to be like some stages of that like okay sure maybe like in the yeah like you said in the summer open air things to some extent i guess but nah like not yeah. on the level i mean certainly i mean that's never been a concern for me but certainly not on the level where people are gonna like go back to like living off of this right like yeah your, your, li your livelihood is not coming back my like i've come to accept it and i think a lot of other people need to come to accept it and try and like, like I'm not I'm not like the fucking British person, like British official, like get a new job, go learn to code. But like, you have to be realistic about what's going on right now, and just. Where I would imagine that I would imagine people are of their own volition, like thinking uh, in these terms anyway. Like not not because somebody told them to, but just like, entertaining other, you know, possibilities of. Everyone, everyone is just so ready for things to go back to normal, and it's net normal's gone. The old world. No, is yeah, there's no. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. That the yeah, normal world, kind of like, dog. This is no, this is normal. the new day. This is what we're in. Like, That's my uh, my naive optimism. Normal sucked. So like, what else? <laughs> yeah. What else we got? I, I, yeah. If that's optimism, then I okay. I'm down. Um. Okay, let's see. So what's, as we're starting to wind down, what's everyone been uh, watching or reading or and or listening to lately? <laughs> you know, give your, uh, what you've been up to. <clears throat> well, I've become really obsessed with movies in a very... Okay. G generic term. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just watching. I don't know. I, I became really into Letterboxd. I never used it before, really, except like, you know, here and there. But I really enjoy it. Uh, I've been watching a lot of like old movies, a lot of leftist movies uh, that I have long sort of, you know, wanted to watch but haven't. I just watched Battle of Algiers last Friday and I'd never seen it before which I was embarrassed about uh, because it's a really, really good movie. And uh, I'm going to watch Rome, Open City next. Um, you know, I really like film as a way to sort of, it's really good at stirring the passions within you. It's like one thing to read about it, which, you know, also works, but watching it in sort of like a personal story. Like when I saw Missing by Costas Gavras, like, you know, I always knew about Augusta, like Pinochet and like the the American coup and and all of that, um, but to watch it play out in these sort of like highly personal details, it like really really hit home for me. So I've been doing that. You know, I I I read books, but I read very slowly and I give up all the time. I'll start something, read twenty pages, and then forget about it, and then read something else so i'm just like on so many uh like i'm reading like 10 different books right now but the one that i'm actually like really really trying to read like um and trying to finish is a book by michael parenti 
called Inventing Reality, uh, and it's just about the U.S. media um, and its anti-communist uh, um, sort of, you know, crusade. And uh, I actually got this ebook for free. It's someone sent it to me, and um, you can read it on your phone in your ebook, and it's really, really helpful. And I love it because you can search words, which I always, uh, I would forget who someone is, you know, reading a 400-page book. Um, and it's great. You can search names if you forget them. And, yeah. I don't listen to music. I just make music. I, like, stop listening to music, pretty much. <laughs> Keith, I know you don't read books, so what else have you been doing? Um, let's see. Me. Uh, well, I've been reading this book, and actually, I lied. I don't that I don't read books. Oh don't shit! Don't only. It's, can't. I don't know if you can see it. No, no, you can't. Whatever. You can only anyway, see your flag. Don't let me be lonely. <laughs> by uh, Claudia Rankine. It's like mm -hmm. an American lyric poet poetry kind of like free form. It's kind of insane. Um, that's cool. But like, yeah, I'm, I'm anti uh, theory book. Um, honestly, I haven't been watching. I'm, oh yeah, I'm also pretty much anti-show as well, like series, unless it's something I'm truly, truly, like, yeah, interested in. Uh, yeah, I'm, like, not down with a series. I'm into movies, like Cindy, we both like movie. Um, but I, I've been watching people just do nothing, like, on repeat. I just keep restarting it over and over again, because <laughs> 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 I, I feel a connection to Grinda and Beats, so... <laughs> that's just been my, like, that's my happy place. But yeah, I've been making a shit ton of music, so I haven't really been doing much of anything else. But uh, yeah, it's either like people just do nothing listening to Garage and Jungle, or, <laughs> or, or, you know, it's basically it. I know you don't love theory, but I actually think you would like reading Michael Parenti, Keith. You should give it a shot, because he has a lot of talks on youtube so you can you know give it a, give it a shot by you know listening to his chats and i think what really makes him so such a icon at least for um leftists is that he does not write in like the typical kind of theory way it's very succinct and uh you know concise and 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 very very readable i think i'm into that yeah. i could do that He's Italian, too. The Italian. Lorraine, he what is about Italian. You? <laughs> New Yorker. Um, what, the question was, what, what are we doing with our time? Is that what it was? I've yeah, been, like reading, watching, uh, listening to any of that. Yeah, stuff. I'm. I'm not. I like. I'm not listening to music most of the time. Um, I have my like uh, political, you know, shows and YouTubes that I watch. Pretty much, like that's that's what I've like, got going on. Like what? Names. Um, I what? Um. I Jimmy Dore is one of my favorites. Um, Richard Medhurst, um, Professor Wolf, uh, Professor Richard Wolf. He's an economist. Um, yeah, kind of, and that kind of like leads me down like wormholes of like other kind of things. But that's like honestly like how I've spent, <laughs> spent the greater my greater portion of time. Um, and then if if not when I take a break from that, then I uh, go back to the warm safety of my comedic series um which lets me survive uh in this cruel life but yeah so i kind of that's that's what i like am tuning into most of the time 
reading. I mean, I, I just finished reading finally all of uh, Capital Volume 1, uh, which I highly recommend. Uh, That's huge. It might, it's, it's a, it's the big fucking theory book, but, uh, it's the one, it's the one, but as far as, uh, books that, uh, really changed how I, uh, not only see capitalism and understand it, but also how I, uh, understand reality, um, uh, capital, uh, I think to me just personally changed, changed how I view reality. It, it, to me is a very, uh, it, it sort of dovetailed also with a lot of reading I've been doing about Buddhism and things like that and understanding uh, Marxism as uh, and, and Buddhism particularly as very intertwined. Um, just sort of starting to see reality in a, in a, in a different way. Um, in terms of watching, I watched uh, Universal Soldier last night starring uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme and uh, Dolph Lundgren. Wasn't very Damn. good. I don't recommend it, but you know... <laughs> I mean, that, Universal Soldier is very, I don't know, it's its very, it has a place. Yeah, I mean, you know, I love Van Damme, you know, my personal favorite, Hard Target, an incredible movie. You know, I, I love Dolph, but uh, I don't know, this one didn't really do it for me. Um, I, I share Cindy and Keith's uh, love for movies and hatred of, of, of television. And as far as... I'm okay uh, with being the outlier. <laughs> No, no, no. I like television. Do not want me with you. Oh, what? I do like television. I mean, I, I'm not like a big into TV, but I just, I just like the same like four things because I'm like. Yeah. A boy. Oh yeah. I'm on my fourth person. rewatch of Frasier. That's my comfort. Yes, show. I mean, yes. <laughs> Frasier is in the mix. Frasier is in the mix. Yeah, always. it's uh, makes me feel. Like I'm listening. The world isn't yes. shit. Yeah. Yeah. There's. Uh, as far as like listening, you know, like music wise, I'm fucking getting old and have a mustache, so I just listen to a lot of jazz lately. Cool. <laughs> nice. um, and you know, for like politics and stuff, I I, I listen a lot to uh, Radio Warner. Yes. Um, which I highly recommend as a as a program to uh, sort of uh, understand history. Um, it's a very good uh, show for those kinds of things. Um, Lorraine mentioned uh, uh, Richard Wolff, who I really love. Um, he's a great, very interesting economist, as, uh, along with uh, Yanis Varoufakis and uh, David David Harvey, um, other economists who I really respect and, and, and listen to. Um, yeah, that's, that's uh, you know, consumption is, 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 is king. Uh, we are here to consume, so. <laughs> Keep on consuming and follow me and Cindy on Letterboxd. On the movie trip, I'm going to go uh, watch The Fifth Chord, which is a trashy Italian uh, giallo tonight. Um, with a fucked up free jazz soundtrack. It's usually my happy place. Nice. Recommend that. It's, you know, gross and, you know, it's a 70s Italian movie, so take everything with a grain of salt. But Yeah, I love, I love gore. I love... Cannibalism uh, in movies. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a great soundbite right there for you. <laughs> <laughs> if you weren't canceled before, now you're canceled. I love gore and cannibalism. <laughs> Cindy Lee, communist Chinese age. <laughs> communist cannibal. <laughs> uh, so for me, um, let's see. Uh, yeah, for music, uh, it's been hard because I don't really listen to music online for a number of years, but, uh, and then 
we were moving, so a lot of my shit got packed up. Uh, so I guess I've just been starting to listen to my records again, and I've also started listening to streams more, just of homies, and maybe mixes online, um, just because I wasn't doing that for a lot of this time that we've all been locked down, but now nah, I've just been doing it, and it's been cool. Uh, as far as watching stuff... Uh, I just kind of gen generally watch trashy reality TV with Kelsey. Really, uh, oh, amazing! Thank you for a reality TV guy. But... Well, I like to I like to analyze it because there's a lot of psychological and um, economic factors that you can really extract from these situations. Like you see capitalism laid bare in reality TV a lot of the time. It's it's pretty astounding what people will lengths people will do for I don't know like it's not even fame because they're like all D list but it's very it's very <laughs> sad. When, yeah. I think it that that makes it feel very sad to me, which is why I can't get into it. Well, but like, like but like I don't go out of my, like I will watch it with her, but then otherwise than that, I've recently we I watched a uh, Kagemusha uh, oh, Japanese. Yeah. Uh, What's his name again? What's the director's name? Kurosawa. Yes, I love Kurosawa movies. Um, so I'm trying to get back into watching those, honestly, because uh, there's some really good ones, and uh, I have some from DVDs from working at the thing. So that's been dusty and crusty. <laughs> yeah, some of them, you know, Criterion Collection, baby. So that shit's nice. The yeah. three VHS Kagemusha sets. <laughs> I got so many DVDs from the thing that I had to put them in storage because like, I didn't have a DVD player. But every time I saw one, I was like, well, when I lived, I lived like a block from the thing at one point. So I was just like, oh, I got to have this. Treasures galore. There was DVDs at the thing. I think that's I think that's where we like hung out the most, honestly. Yeah, oh yeah. I used like, to like be on my way to like like, oh where are you going? Like the gym and then just be there for three hours in the back, like <laughs> doing here. I don't want any of these records. <laughs> that's what I miss. I miss that more than the than the raves. Like I mean oh, totally. love raves, but like I miss hanging out oh, at yeah, record shops. Or like at a radio station, like a local community radio station, and your friends just are coming through in and out, you hang out, you chat. That's what we need. That's what we like. I mean, obviously, everybody needs that during a pandemic. But after the pandemic is over, whenever that is, that'd be so sick to go back to. I miss that so much. Yeah, I miss working with my friends at Control and just a bunch of, you know, synth shut-ins hanging out and, yeah, you know, just the daily <laughs> shit. I miss we that. You to misspeak, like, wait, did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that is. Twelve hours. I like judging people at the synth shop. I really miss uh, judging. <laughs> judging <laughs> with others. Judging yeah. with your. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, um, what was that thing? Uh, oh yeah, like like you y'all said earlier, I'm into. I like to watch whatever Richard Wolf puts on YouTube. Honestly, every yeah. once in a while. Um, democracy now can be cool in the morning if you're looking for like something palatable for like a news source like I watch their early news in the morning sometimes it's good and then honestly I've just been listening to a lot of podcasts which I never did before this year really and then ever since lockdown I've just been consuming them there's a lot of good ones there's you know the usual dirtbag left stuff 
like, uh, you know, like Chapo and Truanon. Antifada is cool. And then Revolutions by Mike Duncan is yeah, also... I highly recommend. Keith, highly recommend. Keith, I would highly recommend Revolutions by Mike Duncan. Because it's, it's really good history lessons of revolutions in the Western world. And he's not and he's not a liberal. He's kind of like um I don't know, like center left, I would say. Like, but he's like he takes a very pragmatic look and analyst. Uh and like the way he analyzes the situations is very good. But he's uh, been doing I mean, he started it a couple of years ago from the English and American and French Revolution that did Haiti and then did uh you know Bolivar. Well, he did he did like uh, the South American, just like the, yeah. all the colonies leaving from yeah. Spain, and then and, he did uh, the Mexican Revolution. Yeah, Mexican was great. But the funny thing is, yeah, I mean, he as just a person, he's he's quite open on the show, and and you can tell he 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 started the show quite liberal and just kind of you know whatever. And over the show, just going through these revolutions and going through the past, yeah, he gets um, more. You can see him get like slowly become like yeah, he's basically a, a communist. Bull- yeah. Yeah. He's basically yeah, he's basically become like a Leninist. But yeah. he's starting to become more olive colored as time goes on. It's like the yeah. hat, then it's the jacket. I think yeah. it started because he actually did a the first one he did was the Ancient Rome podcast, which I didn't really listen to because I don't care enough about ancient Rome to study it that much. And I think I the that the patterns are the same, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. the patterns are yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I would I would highly suggest for anyone that wants to know what's going on right now in American society, listen to Mike Duncan's uh, series on the French Revolution. And then, like, just watch what's going on right now in America. And it's just the parent for, like, people who don't, don't want to read, like, the history books. I get it. You know, no one, like, not everyone's into that shit. But listening to it and then, like, watching what's been going on the last, like, eight years, you'll be like what the fuck like people don't like you know all the motherfuckers are reading this and know about this history and the situation is in we're barreling towards a very similar situation and the french revolution did not have a great outcome in the end so it's a good way to work out your brain while you're like doing bench press or whatever you know it's good to uh yeah it's a nice uh, little bite size. You can do it in one workout. You can listen to one episode. Yeah. Easy. Get your fucking vegetables in. You know. <laughs> um, I, I would be re- I, I would be remiss also to not mention um, Glenn Greenwald and he has a pod and uh, you know newsletter and anything he does is yeah. wonderful. Uh, uh, also, it's going down for is good for anarchist stuff. That's a nice one. Uh, yeah, I've been doing a lot of that. Uh, also, anyone interested in crypto from a leftist perspective, there's a blockchain socialist podcast, and the dude's actually pretty cool. I'm, I'm actually interested in that because for I was into crypto for like a very long time. Can you explain Since, like, what the fuck uh, it is? I mean, I, I, I'm I, just I, curious I, of what the I, like oh, yeah, the analysis is from like a leftist perspective because it's been everyone's been like anti crypto since like. What I, is crypto? It's magic internet money. Yeah. Okay, it's but like, like, how do you place value on 
internet currency? It's all, it's highly speculative. Okay. To be honest. <laughs> this might be a whole what other is the speculation. This is, this is literally a whole nother show. With and like I'm, people that have the answers, not Yeah, like uh, like it's it's too big to get into. Yeah. But that being said, I, I'm really interested because like leftists have been anti-crypto since it like came to be popular. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious how they like how they you should definitely check he runs this dude runs uh he has a podcast he has a good like reddit uh, thread going and he's pretty active and if you hit him up he actually he's pretty responsive too so you should definitely just check it out it's pretty cool um let's see also the black socialists uh in america they started a podcast uh 1000 cuts uh that's very good and I actually recently joined the Black Socialists in America just a few days ago. So hopefully we'll get some of them on here to talk about. Oh, like, wow. Uh, that's going to be, that would be so sick. Uh, politics from a Black perspective. I know okay. that a lot of people have been following them online lately. So getting involved with in that. That'll be cool. Um, yeah. Uh, and then for, as far as reading, I'm doing this thing where I'm trying to read three books at a time, more or less. Uh, so I, st- I was doing uh, The 18th Brumaire by Karl Marx, but then I got The French Revolution by Peter Pro- Kropotkin. So I'm kind of going chronologically. So I'm reading The French Revolution by Peter Kropotkin, which is sees the French Revolution from an anarchist perspective. And he focuses more on um, the like the not so famous people and what the villages outside of Paris were doing and just everything that's not usually talked about. Then I'm also reading Black Bourgeoisie, which is part of the, I'm working through the original Black Panther reading list that they had people do in the 70s. There's a lot of good books on there mm. for anyone. Uh, and you can find it online, like the Black Panther reading list. So I'm trying to work through that. That one's so that, and then I'm trying to do one fiction as well, and I'm trying to read Song of Solomon by Toni Morrison, which I read in high school, but I think I would appreciate it a lot more now. Nice. And and then also I read. People know that I'm big with on anime, but I'm also actually a lot bigger on the manga. So uh, right now the manga that I'm reading that I've been reading for years, and I mean, I've been reading some manga since i was like 12 and i'm still reading them that's how serious i am in some of them but there is one that uh that old manga behind you (laughs) (laughs) on the show yeah i wish no it's all been online because you can get the scans online or else i'd be broke as fuck you can't online manga online manga but uh there's one called kingdom which is a romanticization of the Qin dynasty unification of china and I really like that one. So that's cool. Word. Nice. nice. Who wrote what? The uh, the Qing Dynasty uh, manga that you were saying. Uh, I forget. I'll send it to you, though. You might like it. It's really cool. And Yeah, does, I'm interested. It's definitely by, I'm pretty sure it's by a Japanese dude. But he, it's interesting because, you know, with the Qing Dynasty and bit I know about Chinese history like you know a lot of people see 
have like problems with it because of the way unification happened. And usually that emperor is seen in a very bad light from what I've read. But the way that they're portraying them is in a very benevolent light. So it's just very interesting to see that. And also like placing female characters more at the center, which has also been very interesting and like actually like fleshing them out, not just making them side pieces. So that's cool. Uh, I like it. That sounds you know. great. You sold me. Yeah, I'll send it to you. But yeah, you know, thanks everyone. This was cool. Thanks for tuning this was in. Awesome. Yeah, this was fun. Big thank you to the panel and uh, Ben White's producer in the background for helping me get all this shit together. It was uh, sick. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. fun. We'll see y'all again. Uh, thanks for bugging out. Peace. Later. Bye. Yeah.